Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that boss next. Big jab there from Duffy and Frank Mir is hurt now. Down goes Duffy. Oh, Cole. Frank Mir does it again. Rock em, sock em, robots here. Oh, my goodness. I believe There are a couple of absolutely self-involved bull artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Great to have you with us. As always, we do not take your viewership nor your listenership for granted. It is Monday, October 3rd, 2022, episode 367 of the Anik and Florian podcast. Scale of 1 to 10, Cody, how good does Kenny look today? You might as well start watching this show if you're only listening to it at this point in time. He had to go to one of his children's schools this morning, and uh, everybody is the beneficiary because of that. It's like one of the... The three times I think in the you know nearly 400 episode history of the podcast you've had a caller on. So uh, good morning, good to see you. 
Yeah, I'm here in my formal attire. Uh, nice plaid shirt. Uh, yeah, man, I did a little talk on, on Peru today for, for my daughter's school. Give a little background on that. And uh, that's why that's why I'm so snazzy right now. I was wondering yeah. what uh, yeah. what was yeah. going on today. Not a presentation about Brazilian jiu-jitsu, but the great <laughs> no. nation of Peru. <laughs> Today's episode of the Anakin Florian podcast brought to you in pass by it's in the contract with UFC Fight Pass that I do these spots in a Boston accent. So uh, <laughs> see the best UFC Fight Pass has to offer on the Fight Pass 24-7 stream, offering a constant channel of historic fight action all day all night tune and sit back and enjoy a network created by fans for fans step into our world ufcfightpass.com and right now anakin florian rewind exclusive available on ufc fight pass only i guess that's what exclusive means you can look back at the first fight that kenny and i called together i believe nick denis was the winner several octaves higher both voices it's hard for me to to watch that but uh if if the viewers are so inclined, you could certainly check it out. But uh, hard to listen to. I'm just glad our balls dropped. You know, eventually, That's finally good. took yeah, a while. Yeah. January twentieth, two thousand twelve. All right, a lot to get to today. We will recap Yan Shaunan's successful first main event offering in the UFC as she gets past Mackenzie Dern. Uh, a lot of injuries over the weekend. We'll talk a little bit about Aaron Pico's dislocated shoulder and some leg breaks in MMA uh, and in the NFL. Um, but I want to begin, if I could, Kenny, um, with Jan Shaunan, because what a performance, what a job over the last 12 months by this individual putting herself in a position to handle this Mackenzie Dern challenge, which is so unique in mixed martial arts. Uh, it's Jan Shaunan by unanimous, excuse me, majority decision, 48-47 times two, 47-47 from the dissenting judge. That was Mike Bell, who had a 10-8 for Mackenzie Dern. In round five, I believe. Uh, Ken Flo, your thoughts on one Yan Shaunan moving on up at 115 pounds. Yeah, Yan Shaunan and uh, Team Alpha Male really did their homework. You know, when you're looking at an opponent, you have to see where they are strong. With Mackenzie Dern, there is no mystery. She is an absolute beast when it comes to Brazilian jiu-jitsu and her submission game. And very few teams approach it from the standpoint of, let's make our fighter unkillable first then build a strategy around that. And it seems like that's what they did here. Let's put you in all the worst positions. Let's let's put her in that omoplata position. Let's put her in that arm bar position. Those are the two moves. And you could say the knee bar for Mackenzie Dern as well. But you know, getting her used to defending those types of submissions are critical to the success of any fighter that is going to face someone like Mackenzie. And it was clear that um, Jan was in those positions and training. Um, and she was very comfortable because of that. Um, you could see her composure, the way that, was, that she was defending, um, I thought was brilliant. And then her overall game, uh, game strategy into that fight against McKenzie, um, was significant. I, I think, you know, McKenzie struggles with footwork. She, she struggles to get into the proper range. And I thought Jan did a great job from the outside, landing those shots, uh, to the legs of McKenzie, you know, landing some overhands that barely missed and land, land some hard shots. Mackenzie has quite the chin, but uh, I, I thought it was a great job by Yan Shaunan and her team. So I've taken six Brazilian jiu-jitsu classes in my life. One of them, I ended up drinking Gatorade on the curb outside. So probably five and a half classes. I missed a good chunk of that second class because <laughs> of all the forward rolls. Thanks, Pahumpa. But yeah. Uriah Faber sort of mentioned the word simple in our fighter meeting that some of these defenses actually are overcomplicated by some people and are pretty simple inherently. And uh, 
I think it kind of dovetails a little bit with what you're saying in terms of finding these particular areas in which Mackenzie Dern is strong. The Oma Plata is one of them. And just making sure that Jan Shaunan is so drilled in that particular area that she'll be able to execute on fight night because they have the athlete seemingly who can execute. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, so much of it can be solved with just simple positioning, you know, putting your head and your body in the right place, having your arms on the inside of their arms, you know, making sure you're in the right position at the right time instead of overcomplicating things with crazy counters and, you know, uh, for yawn starting to go for submissions. No, 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 no. We're going to keep it simple. Keep your head and your inside position. Uh, and just do that, and you could take away a lot of someone's submission game, uh, especially if you're in that top position. So uh, you could see she worked uh, you know, very hard both on top and in bottom from a lot of those tough positions. And I do think it's time you start acknowledging some of these coaches. You know, sometimes I feel like Uriah Faber's California flair uh, can – serve to like discredit him in the eyes of some people in terms of his MMA value. I mean, certainly Danny Castillo is starting to get some credit publicly, even if only on social media. And I think he deserves that. And, and obviously Joey Rodriguez, the boxing coach has been a guy that people have lauded from time to time. So great job by the corner. Great job by the mm -hmm. athlete. It gets me very excited about what Jan Shaunan can now do uh, in this strawweight division. When you look at it, Carla Spars is the champ. She will defend the belt against Zhang Wei Li, who is the number two ranked contender. That is next month at Madison Square Garden. Rose Namajunas is the number one contender. Third-ranked Marina Rodriguez seemingly has a head-to-head -head win against like every one of these people on paper, right? She'll, fade, she'll fa face Amanda Lemos, who is eighth in the world. That was going to be at mm. UFC 280. That's now November 5th, and it's not Great a main fun. event. So that's a three-rounder. Jessica Andrade is number four, still bouncing between divisions right now. She had talked about fighting Manol Fjord, but then pulled out of that fight. Uh, Mackenzie Dern, five. Jan Shen on six. Tisha Torres, seven. And then Amanda Lemos, eight. So I think this is big. If you're the Fall River, Massachusetts native, Tisha Torres, Ken Flo, right? Number seven in the world. I think it, there's a good chance she gets a, a fight against Andrade or Shaunan or even Nama Yunus in a rematch in a main event. Um, what do you think for Jan Shaunan? I mean, I guess she could fight Marina Rodriguez again if Amanda Lemos isn't a problem in a few weeks here. Yeah. I mean, Nama Yunus and Jan Shaunan, I think makes some sense in a main event setting. I think Shaunan has a good style for five rounds. I guess not out of the realm of possibility that she could fight for the belt next. Um, what do you make of the 115 pound division now with, with Shaunan in and Dern sort of taking a little bit of a step back? Well, that was a huge win for her. You know, um, I think it will give Mackenzie an opportunity to kind of, um, you know, recalibrate, look for another fight that that would be advantageous to her stylistically so they she could build on, you know, her takedown and, and striking game, which I think is lacking a little bit. That's what's kind of preventing her from moving into the, you know, upper echelon of that division, which is very competitive, as you mentioned, all those great names. Um, I, I think Rose Namajunas against Yan uh, Nan is an interesting one. I also think Tisha Torres should be in that mix as well. Yeah. And as you pointed out, um, you know, during that fight uh, between Yan Chonan and Mackenzie Dern, I thought Tisha actually won that fight. I thought she just edged it out uh, against Mackenzie. So I think she deserves, um, you know, a, a big fight as well. Yeah, that was Tisha's last fight, UFC 273, back in April, split decision for Mackenzie Dern. So, you know, Marlon Chito Vera, teammate of Mackenzie Dern, has a lot of positive things to say, you know, especially 
in terms of her hands and the power and her ability to crack, you know, he feels like when she is in the gym, nonstop 24, seven, 365, you know, she has all the makings of being a future champion. Mackenzie doesn't seem to be in any great rush to contend. Even going into this fight week, she was talking about at least one more fight before mm-hmm. fighting for the championship. So I do believe she's committed to the cause, but there's no denying that now in two UFC main events, she hasn't, uh, you know, necessarily put that best foot forward in terms of her strategy. I asked her in the fighter meeting, like, how do you resist the temptation and not just like jump guard? Or do you hear people who say, why isn't your whole strategy just to jump guard and try to create as many of those ground situations as humanly possible? Now, she's already a better striker than Ben Askren. With respect, she's already a better striker than Damian Maya. Some other people who maybe want to get a floor fight at all costs, Michael Chiesa, uh, what do you say to people who say Mackenzie Dern should really just be um, even more forceful in terms of trying to to jump guard and get this fight to the ground by any means necessary? Because this is a small octagon, Ken Flo. 30 feet is going to pr- present some more problems in theory. Yeah, I, I think that... Um... I think that's pretty accurate. You know, I, I think that Mackenzie still has some work to do in regards to her stance, in regards to keeping that chin tucked a little bit. Her footwork needs some work. Um, but uh, she is making improvements. There's no question about it. That takes time. Um, those are the little things that take the most amount of time. As far as getting to guard, I would have liked to seen it. I think she's that good. Uh, um, when you're that dangerous and able to create those kind of opportunities, I would have liked to seen her uh, sit to guard with that underhook, almost from half guard, where she can immediately kind of turn that into a single leg um, a half guard situation where she can either get underneath or start to take the back or finish that single leg uh, on someone like Yan Xiaonan. So I would have liked to seen uh, maybe a little bit more aggression, especially when it comes to wasting energy up against the fence. And that was an issue that I had to deal with, yeah. you know, uh, you know, trying to get single legs, my single leg, I just didn't really understand how to be most efficient with it. Um, and I think McKenzie um, could utilize maybe some more guard pulls in that type of situation. She should continue to work on her wrestling, but I agree. I think that she probably would have created more opportunities for her to win that fight if she just went to her guard immediately. Maybe not a full guard, but something like a half guard with an underhook, something yeah. like that, uh, where she can maybe attack more freely uh, into some submissions. And Dr. Florian, if you're listening, I understand Kenny was such a good soccer player that, uh, you know, we didn't put him in wrestling, right? Did you ever wrestle, Ken Flo? <laughs> I did not. I did. I went to, you know, Dover, Sherburn. Uh, right. did not, didn't even have a wrestling team. So I wish, oh, I okay. wish, because I didn't do anything in the winter. I played soccer in the fall and then I played tennis, uh, you know, spring, summertime. But in that um, winter yeah. time, I, I didn't, uh, you know, I wasn't a basketball guy. So uh, I needed wrestling. Something like wrestling would have been perfect. My son is tracking to weigh 103 pounds as a high school senior. So maybe he'll be of a lot of value at that point in time to uh, the St. Andrews high school wrestling team. Nice. So I can't profess to you how impressed I was with Yan Xiaonan, just in her ability to, to navigate this particular challenge. And I said on the broadcast, she almost celebrated as if this was a world championship, mm. because I don't think you can overstate how much confidence it will give this athlete to get through this annoying for lack of a better adjective challenge and now draw a striker potentially for the title, you know, like this Mackenzie Dern training camp for a lot of these straw weights, I just think has to be mentally, emotionally, physically, very difficult. And Yan Xiaonan, I thought just passed this test with flying colors. And I think it will forge her now as, as she moves forward. So I, 
I 100% agree. Uh, the work that she put into that fight and going against someone who's as dangerous as McKenzie on the ground and succeeding in a lot of positions that a lot of other women in that division wouldn't have is going to propel her forward uh, you know, with confidence, uh, with her skill level. Um, those are the type of fights that can change a woman's career. So big, big win there. All right, so in terms of the mixed martial arts scoring, I was too late in trying to book Sean Sheehan today. I was trying to do so because I still don't know how he scored rounds two and rounds five of this main event, and um, he's an opinion that I care about, candidly, in the space. So one of the judges, Mike Bell, gave round five a 10-8 for Mackenzie Dern. Now, I largely, as a thesis statement, am all for more liberal 10-8s. I didn't happen to see one in this fight, but in closing the book on this fight, Kenny, I just wanted your thoughts on the scoring. Uh, I had Yan Xiaonan winning the fight three rounds to two. I gave Mackenzie Dern a 10-9 in rounds two and rounds five. I give Dern a lot of credit for round five, and I thought it was getting closer to a 10-8. Uh, I didn't see a 10-8 in the fight. How'd you have it? Yeah, you know, I was really trying to look with a critical eye. You know, I had seen our... our our uh, producer, our star producer, Cody Merrow, uh, tweet about um, a 10 8 in round five. So I was looking to see if it was warranted. I didn't think, you know, that's one of the few times I, I disagree with Cody, but I um, I didn't think it was warranted there. You know, what I'm looking for in a 10-8 is, yes, the, there should be a good amount of grappling dom dominance, but it should revolve around a dominance that is submission-oriented, where, in my opinion, where you're showing some kind of damaging stuff in regards to submissions. Did you tweak their knee with a leg lock? Did you destroy their ankle and now they're limping? Did you get so tight uh, with those rear naked chokes that their head looked like it was about to pop yeah. off? Are you landing strikes that is weakening and damaging your opponent? I didn't see those type of strikes. Those were rabbit type shots, you know, um, that if they were on the feet, would it be very impressive? And they were on the ground, kind of close range, kind of quick succession of like machine gun type little shots that to me weren't doing anything positionally yeah. to weaken Yan Shaunan. And even at the end, what was, was what was indicative of that was at the very end when she escaped that like kind of which I didn't think was a very strong armbar attempt really. Right. Um she got on top and immediately with a tremendous amount of energy started unleashing flurries. Wasn't always successful that so to me it showed that. That didn't really do anything to Yan Shaunan uh, on, on a major scale. Was it a clear 10-9? Absolutely. Yeah. Round two for me, I actually was talking to our producer, Zach Candido, in the truck. And if memory serves, I think we were more aligned that round two, there was an Oma Plata there yeah. that seemed a little bit more severe uh, yes, for Yan Shaunan. So maybe if I was looking for a 10-8, it would have been round two. But either way, Mike Bell is an exceptional judge. And uh, largely, I think you have to get aggressive. Uh, with 10-8s, and uh, I'm happy that uh, that he was aggressive, even if I don't necessarily agree in the case of this particular round. Um, our star producer, Cody Merrow, had a pretty hefty bet on Randy Brown by decision in the co-main event, uh, and he gets that ticket home. He defeats Uncle Trinaldo, as he called him at our fighter meeting, Francisco <laughs> Masaranduba Trinaldo, who was born August 24th, 1978. Dang. What'd you what'd you uh what'd you make of the co-main event as uh as Randy Brown gets it done on all three judges' scorecards, two rounds, two one? 
Yeah, first of all, it's crazy that Trinaldo, you know, two years younger than I am, is still fighting in the UFC and fighting these beasts at 170 pounds. You know, he's in that weird weight class that's like 160, 165 pounds. Right. Uh, and he's going against a guy in Randy Brown just made that made him look really small. But um, yeah, man, listen, I, I thought it was um it was a pretty conservative approach there from Randy. I think he did what he needed to do to win. Um, I, I think that. I would have liked to seen a little bit more. I think those are the type of uh, fights where if I see a future star, like a guy who's going to really be elite in that division, I'm looking for, for a finish candidly, uh, um, which I thought Randy was capable of, of pulling off. Um, he didn't, it, it was a little bit, I don't want to say lackluster, but um, there was something lacking for, uh, you know, for me in watching that fight, but still a good win against a very tough guy, Masaran Duba, who we've been calling, you know, we started calling his fights way back when. Yeah. Um, and he's a dangerous dude who can put anyone out, even at 170 pounds. Um, but, you know, it, it's a solid win. You know, it's a solid win. I think Randy Brown would agree with everything that you just said. He is a student of the game, if nothing else. And I think he would agree with that assessment. What is the record for oldest age at which to compete in the UFC because I think Francisco Trinaldo has a great chance to compete at like 47, 48 years old. I mean, he is super competitive to your point. He's not having to cut down to 156 pounds anymore. Yeah. Never has lost back-to-back -back fights in the UFC. He's never been knocked out in mixed martial arts. Amazing. He now has 37 professional fights. As we mentioned to him in our fighter meeting with 18 UFC wins, not out of the realm of possibility that he closes top five in UFC wins all time. Certainly would have liked to have had this one and certainly would have liked to have had that takedown in round two, I believe it was, when Randy Brown grabbed the fence. Now, a lot of ways you can go with this, you know, whether Randy Brown was trying to be plucked off the fence or taken down kind of remains to be seen. Certainly, I reacted to it on the broadcast and. I guess I just wanted to talk about the moment a little bit because I thought it was a pretty important moment in the fight, especially given the way round three went in so far as Trinaldo took him down and was able to keep him there and control him for the bulk of the round and did a little bit of damage along the way and wasn't so much as warned by the referee, you know, to do more on the ground. So I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that if Trinaldo gets that takedown without a blatant fence grab, that he wins this fight two to one and I don't even know if Masaranduba, you know, dripping with class would even acknowledge as much. But we were talking about it on the broadcast. We thought it was very blatant. You know, and I I mentioned the possibility of taking out a point. I didn't articulate it particularly well. I regret using the word testicles, I guess, in hindsight. But, you know, I was emotional in the moment because, you know, my inner monologue is that is so blatant. If you're not going to sort of put Trinaldo in a dominant position or put Randy Brown on his back now, you know, then maybe have the conviction. Yeah, that's what I should have said. Instead of pull out your testicles, said have the conviction to take a point because the first warning comes in the back, and that was about as blatant as I've ever seen. Now, I'm much closer with Randy Brown than I am Trinaldo, right? That's my boy, but I got to call it like I see it, and uh, look pretty blatant to me, Ken Flo. What do you have for us on that? Yeah, man. Listen, I I think you you forgot your filter just for those two seconds. I thought not, it was the Anakin Florian podcast. Exactly. <laughs> it wasn't terrible to be honest, but you know, I, again, I, and I think you're accurate in that. You know, those are the pivotal moments in a fight that can make or break you. And the fact that Masaran Duba um, didn't get that point taken away or that Randy Brown did get that to uh, point taken away for Masaran Duba, um, you know, 
was harmful. It, it could have changed the fight. And again, I sound like a broken record when I'm talking about this, but every fight uh, can make a breaker fighter, right? That that could be the difference. Um, and of course, you know, there's a lot of money involved, um, you know, a lot of opportunities involved with winning or losing. So that's a tough one. You know, it's unfortunate that, that the ref didn't um, see it and call it that way. And, you know, a blatant foul, like everyone thinks that, oh, well, everyone gets one kind of warning that there is no rule. Like if it's blatant and direct and obvious, you could take that point away right yeah. there and then. And I think that was one of those situations where you absolutely could have done that. Yeah. All right. Sadiq Yusuf was to face Giga Chikadze a couple of weeks ago in a co-main event, and he came out and thought they were going to get a fight. He was unable to get a fight. They get him Don Shanus here a couple of weeks later, and it was of huge importance for Sadiq Yusuf to compete here and to sort of continue to resonate with fans. And Kenny, I know you did not see the fight and you did not see the guillotine choke, but I wanted to talk to you a little bit about this front choke mm. and Lloyd Irvin drilling this front choke with his pupils, you know, Dominic Cruz and Sadiq Yusuf and other guys like 10,000 times this one choke. And I think I might've mentioned or not on this podcast that Dom put me in it. And, you know, I wake up the next morning, you know, I'm such a pussy, right? But I wake up the next morning and like my throat hurts, my larynx, my, you know, my esophagus, everything hurts. Right. So it's not your everyday guillotine is something that Dominic Cruz said on the broadcast. So I don't know if you're doing like a deep dive, you know, Kenny Florian, martial arts.com on the guillotine choke right now, but you know, sometimes athletes in a defensive position, you know, are overconfident about their ability to defend a guillotine. And the next thing you know, it feels like their life is about to be on the line and they have to tap because of the nature of the grip and the choke. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, um, that's the most vulnerable part of the body, period. Uh, and I know I've talked about this before. There's a reason why apex predators out in the wild attack that spot. Um, you know, it's the weakest part of your body. When you're able to control that, you control the head, you control the spine, you control the whole of your body. You can shut off that blood to the brain. And once that gets shut off, you're either forced to tap or you have to go to sleep. It doesn't matter. It's not a matter of toughness or anything like that. Positionally, you have to be superior uh, and in the right position when your neck is that vulnerable. Uh, and if you don't know how to deal with that, you are going to be in big trouble. One thing Dominic also said is, sort of off the record, I guess, you know, to, but he said, you know, like top five guys just aren't going to put themselves in, in that position, you know? Uh, mm -hmm. so even though Dominic has that choke in his arsenal, when he's fighting top guys, he feels like it's going to be, uh, kind of like a 5% thing that he's able to, uh, to actually get it, which maybe is neither here nor there. Um, we're going to talk about some of the other performances when, uh, when Ray Longo comes on here in a few minutes, but, uh, I just want to talk to you about some of these sports injuries, man, because, uh, when somebody has a huge injury, like Ch Ch uh, Chance Rencounter several months ago had his entire rib cage shattered by a kick, you know, and it's thoughts and prayers from everybody for about 24, 48 hours. And then everybody kind of disappears and you right. can barely breathe for, you know, several months. And we saw some really nasty leg breaks this weekend. First fight of the night in Bellator, Richard Palencia, and then Minnesota Viking safety, Lewis Seen. And the Palencia one was like right out of the shoot and not unlike Chris Weidman, one of the first kicks he threw, it was their first fight of the night. And, uh, Oh man, I don't know. I, I don't even know what I'm looking for out of you, but you know, this is the second time we've seen a guy essentially first kick of the night, you know, I'm the offensive guy throwing it and your <laughs> leg snaps. And then you step, I mean, and, and now you're looking at, you know, 12 months of rehab. 
John, you know, I, I, I could deal with a lot of things. You know, I, I'm a son of, of a surgeon. And I remember my dad like reviewing surgeries and I was like way too young to be watching that stuff. And I'd see like a chest all opened up, a beating heart. Like, you know, like I remember I can it was like my early memories and I see that. So I'm like used to that stuff. But I guess. But one of the things I cannot stand is when I see a bone that's either not in the place where it should be, or when you get these compound fractures that we've seen, like the Chris Weidman one, the Anderson Silva one, um, Corey Hill from way back. These yeah. are the ones I, I, I'll, I'll see it once as I'm watching it live, and that's it. I have, I have something in my stomach that when I see that, I just, yeah. I, I cannot stand seeing that. So, yeah, my my heart goes out to those guys, and that's a great point, man. It's like everyone is, you know, worried about those guys in the moment, and then you know you see them off in a stretcher, and someone tweets something, "Hey guys, you know, appreciate the support. I'll be okay." The reality is that is a long road to recovery. You know, of course, Conor McGregor, like these are really bad injuries that oftentimes when the fighter returns or let's say an NFL guy returns, they're not quite the same. If they are, it's a, it's a rarity. It, it is extremely rare. Why? Because physically there's been an incredible amount of damage to the body, right? Like a bone breaking like that. Uh, it takes a lot to recover on a physical level. Um, and a lot of times, you know, your best bets at recovery involve probably illegal performance enhancing drugs sure. uh, to get you even close to 100%. Now, there's the physical component and then there's the mental component of it as well of going, should I throw this kick again? Can I throw this kick again? You know, the the road to recovery as far as kicking a pad kicking a bag, Ugh. kicking a sparring partner with shin guards, and then going out in an actual fight and getting to the point where you can throw it full on without hesitation against another guy who doesn't have a shin guard. Yeah. It's a very difficult thing. Um, so it's it's one of the worst injuries, I think, uh, to come back from. I pray that uh, that Chris Weidman is able to come back and um... – you know, I think it stands to reason that he will not open with a leg kick, even if he gets all the confidence <laughs> in the world to throw it in training. And what a savage Dr. Florian, right? Apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. I bet, you know, Dr. Gus Florian did not have a, a queasy stomach when Kenny was doing that to Joe Lozon back in 2008. You know, I bet he was just fine with all that blood. Probably wanted a couple more super oh, necessary man. shots. Didn't you, Dr. Florian, right? Wanted a couple more elbows on the ground for Joe Lozon, you know? He talked a little uh, bit of trash about your son leading up to the fight. I get it. All right, Aaron Pico dislocates his shoulder. Our good friend Brandon Gibson, one of the classier men in MMA, tries to pop it back in. And, you know, perhaps if he had gotten it done on the first or second try, the fight continues. So uh, I don't even know if this is a fair question, but I mean, so should corner men and women now need to uh, learn how to uh, expeditiously uh, pop a shoulder back in for, for future reference or what? Hey, why not? You know, it, uh, the, the best kind of people learn from other people's mistakes. I don't want to say Brandon Gibson, that was a mistake in any, you know, in any way, shape or form. Um, he was doing his best to try to put that shoulder back in place. Um, you know, uh, kudos to him for for trying that. Um, and it might be that he didn't know how to do it. He just wasn't able to. It can be a very difficult thing. I remember when I was doing my CPR certification uh, for, you know, certification through Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, they taught us how to put things back into place like a shoulder and stuff like that 
And they taught me, I don't know if I'd be able to do it. I'd probably need to get the guy on the ground and put two feet like in his shoulder and like pull his arm out of the socket, which right. of course you probably wouldn't be able to do in the middle of a professional mixed martial arts fight, but right. it's no easy task. Number one, but I do think um, there could be some value there, you know, of really learning how to do something like that. Uh, having the ability to save your opponent, save your fighter uh, from an opponent with, with a cut, you know, knowing how to, you know, get that fighter to continue with a cut or, you know, how yeah. to continue with a dislocated limb uh, is huge. You know, that's, that's a part of your job as a corner man. Um, but I think it's a tall ask. It's a big ask for someone like Brandon Gibson, you know, who's there just trying to help his oh, fighter yeah, on a technical level. Course. But man, that's, that's really unfortunate, man. Poor, poor Aaron Pico. Yeah, no, I felt for, uh, for Pico in the whole corner and uh, is what it is. Cody's writing in the chat. Lethway has a two minute timeout that you can use after being knocked out. That sounds super safe, huh? That's wow. the Miami Dolphins have that too for Tua Tugavailoa. Just throw him back in the fucking game, ruin his Damn. career. Um, all right. Let's not make, uh, make the star of the show wait any longer. Let's get to the Ray Longo minute. Now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Ray Longo. Ray Longo. Ray Longo. I want to make it a point to not be uh, somber off the top today. You look a little disheveled today, Raymond. You doing okay? I'm, I'm trying to look at my hair. I don't know what. I need a haircut. What happened? My hair's out of control. It's windy out there, huh? Oh, it's uh, the weather turned, man. Bad. It's freezing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Would you would you have tried to put your fighter's arm back in? Do, do you know how to do that? I I don't think I would have been able to, and I've been taught how to do it. How, what do you do with the, no, with the I've never been, shoulder, I, man? No, I've never been taught. Um, I've never been taught how to do it. And uh, the guy, there's a funny, a kid comes in. He goes, hey, if that happened to me in my fight, could you have got my shoulder back in? I go, absolutely not. After, you don't want that either. Mr. Miyagi. You little yeah, Mr. I, Miyagi. Think, I think Marab's good. I think Marab has popped a couple of shoulders back in. So, you know, it's one of those things. I think if you did a couple, you could do it. But, uh, yeah. you know, it, it happened to me sparring once. So, I mean, I feel for the guy, you know, and, Marab, I, and I and I did keep fighting. So it was weird. You know, Marab so I, would just probably just keep ramming his shoulder into the side of the octagon until well, it went back got, in. Yeah, right. Remember the old Mel Gibson from Lethal Weapon? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Kenny, I was just going to say, like, how much you want to bet if may Rob Dwalish Willie's shoulder came out during his own fight that he would find a way and oh, use yeah. something in the oh, arena would, to pop his own shoulder right He in. He would instruct us how to do it, trust me. Yeah. Or he'd do it himself. Savage. Yeah. So, uh... I don't know if you've ever had to prepare an athlete for a stylistic challenge like Mackenzie Dern. You know, I hope TJ Dillashaw is doing his homework, certainly when it comes to Aljamain Sterling and all of his annoyances on the ground, if he's able to get the fight there. But what did you make of Yan Shaunan defensively and otherwise in, in beating Mackenzie Dern over five rounds uh, just I, a couple of days ago? I tell you, I really enjoyed that fight for the exact reason you're saying is because there's always that thing. She's down. There's a minute to go, you know, it had that element of excitement that makes for great anything, especially a fight where, you know, the girl's going to win the fight. But, man, there's two minutes to go and she could be submitted any second. So I I look, I thought it was a great fight. I, I want to say something you know, I, like, again, I I love these little clips that Cody puts up now because I, I like I got like a 10 minute attention span. So I'm, I'm good for those clips. But Kenny, man, I got to say, hit that. 
pick right on. I listened to that yesterday. He really, I, 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 I almost got another respect for you because you, you, <laughs> it was like he just said, "I'm not satisfied yet." Because Dern is good, man. She is yeah. coming forward. She's tough. I think, like again, I think it was Kenny or somebody else said, if she gets her wrestling down, that she's a major problem because she she's not lacking grit. She's not lacking determination. I think she made great, like, I'm, I'm probably repeating what, what he said, but no, it's great good. strides in her stand-up, but defensively she was off. You could see the left hook looked like it had a magnet on its hand, like she would get hit every time with it, and it was a little confusing, but she's somebody I'm looking at that you really could work with any way you want. She looks like she's not lacking the desire to want to get better, you know what I mean? Because she already has. I think she's made great strides, but the fact that Kenny said he just wasn't sold yet, See that that's 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 high level to me. It really is. So because I wasn't really I wasn't sure, and you know I thought she was better all the way around. But that other kid did a great job defensively. You can't ask for anything more. So, did somebody say Kenny? She's a white belt, or is that a joke? Uh, yeah, I mean she 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 might be. Um, I know she comes from you know a Sanda background, you know, with just some grappling stuff like that. But I mean she did her homework though. I mean the, the Alpha male guys had her. Definitely doing a lot of groundwork Crazy. and preparation for this. Yeah, because yeah. Dern is definitely another level on the floor. There's no question about it. You can see the way she transitions and it's just a great, you know, just a great look. But uh yeah, I don't know. I that was a that was a great fight. So yeah, but a great fight on both ends. But Jan definitely won the fight. Unless you score that last round at you know, 10 8, then you can come to a draw like one guy had it. Right, it might be hard to defend, but I think she did enough to uh, to win that fight for sure. Uriah Faber said she is getting a belt upgrade, so uh, certainly probably going to be a blue belt the next time she graces the octagon. I mean, can you just give her purple belt? Can't do that, Ken Flo, right? I mean, I guess you can do whatever you want, right? I mean, hey, there's a lot of black belts on that UFC roster. <laughs> Seems like they hand those out like candy these days, no? No, I, not a, not a whole lot of brown or black belts that would have been able to avoid a submission against Mackenzie. Durham, you know, so, Kenny, yeah. I'll tell you a funny story. When Weidman was coming up, uh, I mean, that guy was a white belt, a blue belt. He's just tapping out black belts. And at the time, Kenny, I would tell like a jujitsu guy's tapping out black. Belts. Impossible! It's impossible. It can't happen. I go, really? Can't happen. Watching the guy run through a fucking room of guys that huh. are really, really like, just run through them, and then he went to the city. And I guess it was like a black belt class. And I think he had a good day. And Dan goes, what, what belt are you? It's like, maybe he said purple or blue. And Dan just gave him a brown belt, like right away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right away. I think, I, I, the only reason he didn't give him the black belt is because it was Matt's guy, I think. But he, he said, I have to do this, I, I think, to save everybody else from going, to, what the hell is going on? Because, you know, Kenny, back in the day, if you were a purple belt, you had to beat a brown. You know, like they have right, a nice right, right. way of moving up. Now it's not like that, obviously, yeah. right? Everything's just a stripe and a free-for-all. But uh, but for what he did at that time, nobody could even believe it. So I think uh, – I don't know where I'm going with that. I, I, remember hearing, I remember hearing about Chris Weidman before I even saw him in the UFC. And people were talking about this kid from Long Island. They're like, this kid's a monster. Wait till you see him. He, he's he's a dynamo on the ground as well. He's uh, tapping out black belts. Like, watch out for this kid. So I no, I, was I, I heard about him before brutal. he even Kenny fought in the When I yeah. saw a bro, I remember a, one of Matt's black belts who you know was one of my students. Also, I I met him at a party. He goes, you know, and he didn't. I didn't even know why. And he's like, what are you doing? You get these wrestlers, man. They're young, and you know, God forbid you're like thirty five or forty. You got a twenty two, twenty three year old monster. Oh, just, right with squeeze strength that's sickening like you know what i mean like 
and and he gets it, and he freaking gets it. Picked early. it up quick. Yeah. I mean, I watching Bo Nickel was kind of like, you know, Weidman when he started out taking some guys down, just darts choking them or choking, just guillotine the other guy. Just you could see it was just brutal. So. Like, even for Bo Nickel, right away, he could beat 85% of the guys. There's no question in my mind. You know, but as he goes on, it will be interesting to see. But he looked, he looks like he wants to be there and he gets it, which is half the battle, you know. And, and John, just to, to your point with uh, the Chinese girl, um, like, even when I get a person, like, that's good, like, at stand-up, how to get back to your feet, bad position. Start them off with that so they're not taken back by that. It looks like that was the kind of the roadmap. You know, not getting back to the feet as well, but you do have Mackenzie Dern on you, but she did survive against a high level, you know, it's almost like back in the day you were on the the, the floor with Paul Harris and he didn't rip your knee out. You know yeah, what I mean? Like yeah. that was almost mandatory. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, <laughs> that's, you know, until he got, you know, somebody who, but uh, that kid, I think, Alan Whoever dissected him. Alan Belcher. Belcher. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? But before that, like, that was one guy just didn't want Chris to fight at the time coming up. I thought it was too risky for not a good reward. You know what I mean? Because that guy was just, man, he was just latching. They were finding him for holding on to him. Yeah. You might as well, like, pre-book a hospital bed when you fight Poyadis. And if you are a new fan, go to Fight Pass. Husamar Poyadis. That's Husamar with an R. Had some muscles yeah. back in the day. Had a few muscles. And uh, he felt like there were a lot of things super necessary uh, after <laughs> the horn or the tap. Yeah, right? he, he never, he'd never hear the horn or the referee telling him to break or the tap for some reason. Yeah. I don't know you why. Know, I know towards the end he started fighting with a hearing aid and just to <laughs> cover it up a little bit. He Speaking of which, can like you he hear tap. out of your left ear right now with that hair? <laughs> Matted over the left <laughs> ear, you can still hear out of that. There you yeah. go, there you go, Ray. I'm out of control. <laughs> All right, so a few things I just want to uh to get to with you. Yeah, go ahead. I think I'm back. That's good. I yeah. like this without the headphones. I like this much better without the headphones. You just you know ripping into the. I, I need a hat. Oh, you do. It's better yeah. without the headphones because I have them in my pocket in case we need them. No, we're good. We're good. So now the audio sounds good. I wonder uh, if 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 Chris Weidman, and by the way, I think your Bo Nickel Chris Weidman comparison is very appropriate in a lot of ways, and uh, I think there's a lot of people agree with you that Bo Nickel right now could beat 85 percent of the guys in the UFC in his division. Or 90. But you know, I saw two. What are they called? A compound fracture. I mean, there were two nasty, nasty leg breaks this weekend. One involving Bellator fighter Richard Palencia, and then Minnesota Viking safety in the NFL Lewis Seen, and. Uh, I don't know. I just wonder, like, you know, how Chris is doing and how he even reacts when he sees guys, you know, enter the process, the rehab process, day one, you know, that he's sort of still in now, you know, a year plus removed from, you know, his accident. Uh, You know, it's funny. I just got off the phone with him before, right before the podcast. But, you know, he wanted to uh, he wanted to discuss some of the gym drama that he heard about. So I had a, <laughs> I gave him his five minutes. I go, just beat me up. I know I empowered everybody and did every, you know, whatever. So that was the gist of the conversation. I never even got to the point where, uh, how are you feeling? I just wanted, I just listened to him and I said, look, I got to run. I got to do the podcast. I got the hell out of there, but it looks like he's doing all right. But that, 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 uh, I don't know. You'd have to ask him, but I, I will it next time, but I'm sure it's not a good thing seeing other people with the same 
yeah. problem you had. That's got to hurt a little well, bit. Well, we'll uh, no, we'll we'll get him on the podcast, friend of the program, uh, and get that update. Uh, in terms of the gym drama, I don't know how much you want to share. But, no, uh, no, no, it's all bullshit stuff. All right. Well, no, I just I I did hear some rumblings then that there is an open workout involving Aljamain Sterling. I don't know if that has anything to do with the drama. No, Perhaps no, definitely not. not. Okay. No, no, so definitely not. what can you tell us about an open workout in Garden City, New York, uh, involving the undisputed UFC bantamweight champion? I mean, obviously, he's doing an open workout. I told Cody, I didn't even know about it, but uh, I saw him post it. So uh, we're on a day to day. As long as he's paying, you know. I, I, wait, wait. Besides that, though, he looked, the kid looks phenomenal, though. Oh, he had a great day set. He looks good. He's back to, I, I, that's why I, I love just seeing it. So I feel like I'm more in tune, but he looks really, really good. A couple of new things I think he'll uh, unravel, which will be great. Um, and I'm excited for the fight. Looks like the media scrum will be later this week at 4.30 after a 4 p.m. Eastern Open workout on October 6th. That is a Thursday. So, uh, yeah, if you're local, get on over to Garden City, see if they let you guys in, and check out the picture of Joe Rogan with Matt Serra and Ray Longo from about 30 years ago. Uh, what a good-looking guy Rogan was. No, look at him. Still, Rogan and still. I mean, still. <laughs> so, Pumi Nakuda. Yes is a, a fighter who has gotten a little shine on the Anakin Florian podcast, a guy who we all thought would uh, would make his way to the UFC at flyweight and eventually the top 15, if not higher, seemingly has announced his retirement from mixed martial arts to go into professional wrestling. That's what that, well, I, I did. <laughs> I went out to uh, eat with Pomi last, last Sunday with a couple. What are you guys. laughing at? What's so funny? I'm I, mean, laughing because I, 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 I think, think it's I'm very a, funny. One of your best prospects. He's going to, to do, you know, here. pro wrestling. Yeah, I don't know. That's what he told me. He's, he's doing pro wrestling now. He's at a, he's at MMA. That's all. That's all I got on. I, I think I'm the last guy to find everything out at this point. So, second only to me. Do you? Yeah. So you don't corner him for these pro wrestling contests? No, right? definitely not. No. Right. So, um, I, is there any any measure of disappointment? I mean, Cody's disappointed. Our producer's disappointed. I mean, yeah. I guess you're not disappointed. Right, right. You could be the new Captain Lou Alban Albano. <laughs> I'm the wizard. I'm the grand wizard. I'll the grand wizard. Yeah. Fuck am I going? But uh, <laughs> maybe is that the direction I'm heading for? I'm a pro wrestling manager now. Be good. It's good McMahon, money, man. I'll tell you one thing, McMahon. I don't know. Who is that? Is that the wizard? But, uh, all of these references are over my head. I'm just saying. Uh, no, I'm not. But if I'm an MMA coach and uh, Pumi Nakuda sits me down and tells me with all of his potential that he's uh, he's leaving pro fighting, I guess in some part, honestly, I say good on you, man. You know, because I do think there's going to be less head trauma in that world, to be sure. You know, you don't have to spar. But uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I was excited to see his his career trajectory, which kind of seemingly stops here. So that's all. I, I think, John, everybody shares your sentiment. But, you know, look, yeah. he's got to do what he's got to do, where he feels yep. comfortable. His yep. hand's still not right from when mm -hmm. he broke it last time. And I think, you know, once you get an injury and you got to sit there for six or eight months and, mm. you know, bills are coming in and people are – you got to make you got to make moves. I mean – Look, the UFC, everybody's bitching about money anyway. So it's not like it's he's going to take a financial base. He's a 125 pounder, too. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's no. a long road. It would have been a long road before I think he saw anything substantial. And if he feels like, you know, the injuries are just mounting up at this stage of the game, let him, you know, I said, look, 
the thing in here is I support these guys whatever, whichever way they want to go. I'm not really here to influence them or whatever. Pumi knows that we all knew we had great potential in MMA. That's a fact. I mean, he was probably the only guy with uh, a tank like Marab, you know. And you know, if you ever ask Marab about Pumi, he'll tell you exactly how he felt with me. He wanted nothing to do with him. The kid was frustrating, and he could keep up with him with the cardio. He couldn't break him, so. Yeah, uh, it's all good stuff, man. I just I'm glad he's back around and I get to see him and he's got great energy, that kid. And I think for a lot of other coaches, you know, this would be perhaps more devastating. You know, Ray Longo's got, you know, he's got an undisputed UFC champion in every goddamn era the promotion has ever existed. Right. And has all these head to head wins over guys like Anderson Silva and Jose Aldo. So I think Ray Longo's doing just fine. But we wish Pumi Nakuda all the best yeah, in his uh, great, great kid, his great future kid. endeavors. So I just wanted to rifle through some of these other performances from the UFC fight night to see if there was any performance that you wanted to talk about. Uh, and then I wanted to talk a little bit about Mark Zuckerberg's presence in the arena. Um, first of all, Francisco Trinaldo against a guy that you guys know pretty well, Randy Rudeboy Brown, training under the great Nardu Deborah. Uh, your thoughts on Randy Brown extending his winning streak to four over the ageless Masa Randuba. Yeah, I mean, uh, look, Randy, the guy, the the length and the height, he's super, super talented. Uh, you know, he's doing what he has to do. I mean, I think he should have been able to put that guy away, but you know, I think that's what the UFC is going to tell him too. Is like, you know, I, I, I mean, the guy's forty. Well, how old is he? Forty-four years old. Yep. Yeah, I think he knocked him down. I think I think he should have made more of an attempt to finish the fight, but but I know he's very talented because he's been in the gym and, you know. He's, uh, he, I think he's a problem moving forward. He's got great potential. Oh, yeah. For sure. There's no question about it. No, I think he would tell you this was the most lackluster performance of this four fight winning streak, but you can argue it's the toughest test to pass, right? He called him Uncle Trinaldo, said to Dominic <laughs> Cruz when Dom asked a pretty thoughtful question, like when Randy talks about the challenges ahead of him and he's so thoughtful in terms of his MMA progression, right? I mean, he, he feels like when your base is grappling or wrestling, maybe it's easier to expedite a title run, but he was exclusively a boxer until he's 19 and he just still feels like he's closing these gaps and checking these boxes. But to face a true veteran like that, you know, I give him credit. Um, did, what do you, what just any thoughts on the fence grab? You think maybe I made too much of it or, uh, no, I don't think you made two. You can't, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think it did, if it prevented the take, I don't remember it exactly. I know yeah. Peterson did it, but, you know, you just got to be whatever it is with all of this stuff. You got to be consistent. You know what I mean? So if yeah. there was an inconsistency and he's done it before where he's taken a point away, then I got a problem with it. If not, he gave him a hard warning and he moved on and it yeah. never happened again, I don't think. But that, you know, yeah, uh, you know, you could make a mistake when you're up against the cage like that to grab it. So, you know, well, I don't and think it was that blatant, but it was it was close. Well, somebody suggested that I eviscerated Keith Peterson. I would certainly say to any of, uh, you know, my my brethren out there in the referee and uh, commission world. Um, it's more a general point about like not being afraid to take a point. If you see a foul that is seemingly so blatant, you know, cause I don't know exactly. It's a little tricky, right. To just give the takedown. I think it's easier to just take a point. And then Randy right. probably would have had to go for the fish finish. And maybe you get a more exciting fight, but that is neither here nor there. Um, all right, gosh, my contact lenses are failing me. Fight of the night was Daniel Santos against John Castaneda. I mean, that was an absolute war. One of my favorite fights of the year so far. Looks like Alir Latifi's going to retire after a win over Alexi Olenek. God, it's amazing how many 40-year-olds we had on this fight card. Latifi, Olenek, Guido, Kennedy. 
with a submission of 42 years old. Crazy. That was a crazy fight. Even I don't even think I remember seeing Kennedy fight. <laughs> you know, Did you see just... Brendan Allen uh, submit Christoph Jotko? Brendan yes. Allen got a bonus. Dude, that's impressive, man. I mean, yeah, Jotko's a very hard guy to get out of there, and he made it look easy. And then Mike Davis over uh, Slava Claus back for the first time in a long time. Um, all right, before we let you go, um, you see Mark Zuckerberg in the building. Do you know who Mark Zuckerberg is, Ray? You must. Uh, right? Yes, I do. You got Facebook, Ray? You got Instagram? Well, we know about <laughs> we know about your Instagram oh, no, uh, trials Instagram, and tribulations. Wait, wait, for everybody out there, the Instagram huh. guy is back. I got somebody working on it now. Now he's now he's now I'm selling Bitcoin. Kenny, do you know that Drago calls me? He goes, how you doing with the Bitcoin? I go, you're fucking joking, right? He goes, why? What are you What are you talking about? I go, dude, I've been hacked for like fucking five months. First, he he, he congratulated me on a car. Now he's <laughs> back to ask me about. No, I mean, you can't. I'm like, this can't be happening right now. Yeah, unbelievable. So anybody out there, look, I apologize, but there's some shitty people in the world and. Guy's getting his rocks off doing what he's doing. Good, uh, good. Have, right. have fun. I couldn't give a shit. Oh, well, I was best. able to. No. I was going to say hey, someone go. did that to my Facebook the other day, too, by the way. Someone posted somehow under my. I don't know what the hell's going oh, on. Oh, man. Yeah. So hopefully it's not a hack. It's just a whatever. Well, guys, I was able to connect with the Zuck man at the UFC Apex. So maybe oh, I well, you know, how did that yeah. go? No, he, what a classy, nice guy, man. And obviously he loves mixed martial arts. But yeah, came over after the broadcast, went out of his way to come up and uh, introduce himself. And uh, and we got to talk for about five minutes. Very cool. You to, know, you uh, got to realize, uh, John, with like those situations, like uh, obviously the guy's a genius and what he did and everything, but he's looking at you like you're looking at him, right? Like he's a big fan of yours, just like you are, you know, and you could see the excitement in the guy's face. He was like a little kid in the candy store, what I saw anyway. But uh, I'm glad you, we got another guy into mixed martial arts. I think that's a big deal. And, um, and it's funny you say that. And the moral of the story is hopefully you got his number. Number two, hopefully you can get Ray, Lang Ray Longo's account back on Instagram. Yeah. Well, oh, man. Yeah. I tell yeah. you what. You got a direct connect now. Yeah. Well, you in terms of. I, wait, hold on a second, John. I didn't think about that. Give me that guy's <laughs> freaking number. Come on. <laughs> Zuckerberg. Yes. Zuckerberg, do the right thing. He, he's got to he's like gotta be nice, listening to the podcast you right look, now. You look like a nice kid. Do the fucking right thing. Come on, man. This is stupid at this point. Let's go. Well, in terms of picking and choosing my battles with my new friend, Mark Zuckerberg, <laughs> the first one I'm going to pick is obviously getting your account back. And then I'll oh, see if uh, there no. you go. But no, it, 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 <laughs> so, I do uh, think that more was made of a level, buddy. I do think largely more was made of this than needed to be right. I mean, certainly I feel for the media who covered the way in to not be able to cover the live event, but you know, he didn't rent out the whole thing. It was just an intimate setting with a few people. And uh, you know, that has been the case oftentimes at the UFC apex. So I do think that a little too much was made of it. Um, but it was cool to have him in the building and to have a supporter like that, um, you know, who I think could help the sport. So, um, you know, I know a lot of the fighters, like we're never trying to take shine away from the athletes, but I know a lot of the fighters were very excited. A lot of the coaches and the athletes all night long were trying to fucking lock eyes with that guy, you know, so oh, wow. it meant something to them, you know? Oh, wow. That's Should I leave great. it at that? Should I leave well, it at that? That's great. That's good, yeah. for, good, good for Zuckerberg. All right. So uh, it is now October 3rd. Ooh. 19 days out for Aljamain Ooh. Sterling and TJ, TJ Dillashaw. I get a little nervous, a little nervous. Yeah, I do. I do. I do get a little nervous. Yeah. Yeah. Like Zuckerberg to meet me Saturday. No, I'm just kidding. Oh. 
<laughs> no, you, it is. Oh, we were both excited. Like I was a little bit anxious to meet him, and I'm thankful that I had the chance to do so. And yeah, I think sometimes you see people on television, and it's weird to meet them in person, right? Because they look like they're just in a box, but then it's actually a human being, you know. Um, yeah. So. Well, I'm sure he's at another level mentally, no? I mean, he's got to be. Yeah, then I like mean, someone like me, yes. And he doesn't need like <laughs> yeah. Adderall to get there, for example. <laughs> oh, that you don't know. That's what that, you need. You need you Adderall. You, you need Adderall. Know. You don't know that. You don't know. What How about you telling Chris Weidman to pound sand so you could join us right on the screws? Without a doubt. Eastern. No, this, this podcast comes first. Are you kidding? <laughs> yeah. How dare you even insult me like that? No, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, my man. Well, uh, so when are you when are you getting out of here? When are you heading to uh, to the United Arab Emirates? I am going. Uh, I think it's Sunday the sixteenth. All right, so I'll be there a week before. When are you getting there? Later than you. I oh, think wow. I'm flying through New York, but not until I think Tuesday. So I'll be forty eight hours behind you. So, uh, oh wow, wheels nice. down. We'll see you. We'll see you then. And obviously, we will talk to you once more before you get on out of here. But um, yeah, you know, we'll, have we'll, a, yeah, sorry. No, I was just going to you know, tell you. No, I was, I mean, I'm just outroing you, but please, by all means. <laughs> no, I said we'll get some bike riding in too, no? Yeah, I think there. that would be great. That's your, uh, that's your new endeavor. That's it. That's all I could do. Bike How riding. many miles? What was uh, your longest ride in the last two weeks? Uh, it wasn't more than 16. That's, yeah, I, see, I, that's like a glass half empty answer. Oh, no, yeah. no. I'm going to say 15 miles, 16 miles. Good for you, man. Yeah, That's yeah, good, yeah, man. Yeah. Most yeah. I've done in my life is like 22, and it's not fun. Uh, do no, we have Jason Anik? I, I haven't done it yet, but I could do it. Sorry, John. I, I, keep, no, I, was wondering. John, I keep interrupting you. I know people are bitching and moaning. I'm jumping over everybody. But wait, last thing before I go, shout out yes. to my daughter. Deanna, who uh, I, that's why I didn't watch most of the fights. I was in the city. She passed her occupational therapy boards. Hey. We had a great time through her nice party. All good in the hood. Awesome. Maybe she can consult my son who has myriad issues. Uh, but, but listen, the Longo family is always at your disposal. All right. Whatever. All right. I told you that a million times. Yeah. Hopefully her hourly rate isn't as prohibitive as her father's. Maybe we can get her on the program. <laughs> right, hey, uh, everything's gratis. Hey, I'm going to bring my twin brother, Jason Anik, into the uh, conversation before we let Longo go. See who has the best yes. hair. Yeah, my oh, man. God. What is oh, hair up? Raven, Peter. It's the good Anik. Yeah. Can you put it, your it, hair up? It is Raymond. 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 It is the good Anik. You can be sure in high school. Like there was this one guy walked around. Every time he saw me, he was like good. And every time he saw John, he's like bad. <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to go any further. I get it. Me and yep. Kenny both get it. Trust me. <laughs> exactly. So and when I was listen. in high school, I, you know, I bicked my head bald. I wore like a bandana, you know, big maroon Jinko jeans. <laughs> you know, I thought I was a budding rapper, my big starter jacket wow. and everything else. I understand why the upperclassmen had a lot of fun at my expense. You know? <laughs> the upperclassmen. <laughs> so uh, I tell you, you do got a way with words. It's beautiful. Thank you. The, so, the upperclassmen. I love it. So, Jay, you know I prefer when you just go bun with this hair. If you don't know, uh, co-host of Remember the Show with UFC welterweight contender Bilal Muhammad uh, right on this Anakin Florian podcast YouTube channel. Jason Anik is now with us here crossing over with Longo. Uh, but the Sup, hair, Joel? man, the hair. Though, yeah, yeah, like, I let it flow for Ken. Right, get it? <laughs> let it flow for Ken. Bro, it's pretty. So got some juice. Long, baby. Got a little juice, baby. 
Exactly. Yeah, I love it. No, but oh. you know, you guys, you guys talked about that Trinaldo fight, uh, and you, you buried, you buried the lead, didn't you, John? Did you talk about what really happened? Can I? You don't mind, do you? No. Oh, all right, Raymond, Kenneth, yeah. your your co-host here. Did you guys we hear did, what he said yeah, we on the broadcast? We, we, oh, yeah, we did. No, he, he did. He did. Not with it. Ray, but. The testicle, did you hear what he uh, said, Ray? That's what he meant. He eviscerated Keith Peterson. You heard what he said. Did you talk yeah. about exactly? Did you quote what he said? I don't want to repeat. <laughs> For all the viewers, no. Did you talk about what it actually came out of his mouth? No, let's hear it. Well, no, no I, I should have said, uh, or maybe a referee at times would have the conviction to take a point away. And instead I said, right. or, you know, maybe you pull out your testicles and take a point. Right. Oh, you know, but I didn't. Don't you know? Yeah. Don't you know if he pulled his testicles out, Zuckerberg probably would have sued him. <laughs> yeah, come on, man! You can't pull it's your, just, you can't pull your peepee out with Zuckerberg in front, oh, sitting front row. It's, that's not right, John. <laughs> we have to yeah. hold the MMA community to a higher standard. Yeah. So no. Anyway. Uh, judged judged on every utterance over six or seven hours. But let's let's hope my producers maybe skip this episode. You know. Uh, when they... <laughs> So, um, all right, Ray, well, we'll let you go, buddy. Uh, but we appreciate the time. Jay just wanted to say hello. I'm every, you know, everybody loves Raymond, right? Everybody yeah. fucking loves Raymond. So here's your hello. Raymond, you know? Jay, thank you very much. And I hope, I, I hope I see you soon, buddy. Absolutely, man. Wanted to see uh, your face. I thought they were going to get you out of here. I'm glad they didn't. Good to see you. Buddy. Uh, ditto. Ditto on that. Thank you very much. All right, My man. men, I'll talk to you guys later. Ray, Ray. Take it easy. Great. Danny. Ray Long. guys. With us every week on the Anik and Florian podcast. Can you hear so, me, Cody? Uh, yeah, hey, I mean, it hold sounds on, hold like on, hold on. You're yeah. real hot with the mic, just so you know. I don't know if it sounds like we're getting a bunch of echo from your kitchen, so just fucking chill it's out. A nice okay? kitchen, by the way. Just Thank chill you. out. Over long guys are here, so hopefully it's not too noisy. What's up, Cody? I'm here. I'm here. You just got to make sure that your little gear setting is on the, the proper mic. You know, we've only done 78 episodes of live TV up to this point, but it's on the right setting, a little different locale. You can get me out of here anytime. If it's no, uh, I want, no, it sounds fine. You sound crystal clear as you were, as you were. So no, I just want, you can just see know. that fantastic Slimstone in the background. Slimstone. No, right. I appreciate it. Uh, no, Kenny, just sometimes these lines out of this guy, I'm just sitting here with my head in my hands, you know, <laughs> I feel, I feel talking about the ref, you know, who he's defended ad nauseum with Dominic Cruz. Yeah. You know, if he just pull out his testicles, pull them out, pull them out, pull them out. And, and so I, I will mean, say he ahead. rarely, he rarely, he rarely does anything like that. I will Thank say that. You, I don't think he's do ever, it. I don't think he's ever done that. Um, <laughs> there's no, there's never been another reference to testicles as far as I can recall. And, uh, I don't know. Maybe he was a little excited because Dominic Cruz was right next to him. He, was, uh, he wanted to I, get I, at I, I think, I think that's probably. <laughs> and for the, for the record, spoken lines, everyone. I know we had a little bit of, uh, fun at that expense, but spoken lines, not other kinds of lines. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I don't know how the Trinaldo corner reacted, you know, and I think largely I, I am making too much of this singular fence grab, but man, in the moment, it's like, gosh, would it have been worse like if you said like cojones or like, what? Well, no, the reason if you really want to know, Portuguese? what's the, 
if you really want to know, the reason I said testicles in the moment in my head is because I was trying to soften up the word balls, if you can believe that. And I actually made it harder. So exactly. But I'm just saying, like, you can just read the Modelo promos. Just relax. You don't don't need to agitate. He loves to agitate. Love. He's talking about Adderall when I'm in the other room. Just like, what? Do you, I mean, he doesn't even take Adderall. Like, you know, <laughs> run around, just run the mouth, run the mouth. All his life, run his mouth. I'm coming, running. Anyway, go ahead. So the reason we're having you on the program today is because last week on your show, which is live Thursday nights on this channel, your co-host Bilal Muhammad, who will fight Sean Brady October 22nd, and who is already in UAE in Dubai, about an hour away from where they're going to fight, announced last Thursday that Khabib Nurmagomedov is going to be in his corner which is very exciting. Now, I don't know if you can tell us like whose expense, like who's the odd man out now or not, but um, what are your thoughts on what that means, you know, three weeks from now? Well, I don't think it's an odd man out necessarily. The third guy I think can fluctuate from time to time, but his main boxing coach, Mike Valley, will be down there. And Lewis Taylor, his main man, former PFL champ, um, will be there. They're both always there, but Habib to be the third guy, just to be immersed in, in this camp. And you see Cody nodding his head. There's so much noise about Sean Brady out there. And uh, sometimes I feel like my man Bilal doesn't get enough respect. Uh, Boxing looked a lot crispier last time out. I'm just glad he's put himself in the absolute best position to win with this whole crew. But frankly, I have tremendous confidence in Bilal, no matter who's in his corner. I mean, his mental uh, fortitude and, and all the different tools in there. I'm looking forward to Sean Brady feeling him on the mat, but I'm excited for Khabib to be there. Um, but for Bilal, if you want to know the truth, from my perspective, it's a dude's ready to go 365 days a year. I don't think it's a huge needle mover for me. Kenny, a lot of people are picking Sean Brady in this spot to Jason's point in terms of a training partner and a corner man in preparation over five weeks Bilal will have in Dubai, essentially with Habib. I don't know that you can do much better, right? When we hear what everybody says about how Habib feels in training, how he feels in the octagon from guys who feel him for the first time there, like Gaethje and Poirier, you know, I feel like it's, it's, it's a, it's a, a feather in the cap to be sure for Bilal. Not to mention a 200-pound Habib Nurmagomedov right now. You know, right, he's, right. he's he has said, I'm not dieting ever again, basically. But yeah, no, I I mean, how much experience are you going to gain from that? Just one session alone, I'm sure Bilal could pick up a whole lot. But um, this is a guy in Habib who has a tremendous amount of information. I think it's going to help Bilal. And honestly, uh, and I'm not just saying this because Jason's here or, or, you know, Bilal might be watching whatever. I I think it's a good matchup for Bilal. Yes, I think Sean Brady will have certain technical advantages over Bilal. But I think people sleep on Bilal's positioning, just like, you know, um, you know, uh, Uriah was talking about keeping it simple. Um, You can solve so many issues with just positioning alone. And I think Bilal might not be known for his submission game, but he's very well known for his positional game and his understanding of where to be at the right time. He rarely makes mistakes. He knows how to execute when it counts. Um, And I think he just has way more experience than Sean Brady. So I think it's a good fight for him, man. I, I think he would be favored either way. Uh, When you add in that component of Habib Nurmagomedov, I think he'll be that much more prepared. And John, let me just hop in real quick. You know, also being there with Islam and Islam's whole championship camp, I think can't be understated Mm. either. Go ahead, Cody. Well, I was going to say, Kenny, if you feel that way, I mean, do you you venture a guess on what the line is? Gosh, um, do you have... Is Bilal Bilal a major underdog? Is is, uh, Sean like two to one? No, no, no. Okay. It's close, but Bilal is the underdog. 
Okay, like 175 plus 175. What do you got? So it's plus 120. It was oh, okay. plus 130 yeah. last week. That's so about, it has moved a little bit. So Brady's that's minus 140? Right. Yeah, that's how yes. you mute the landscapers. When you live in Florida and Correct. you do as much media as I do, you learn to mute the landscapers when, when, you're, not, <laughs> when you're not talking. Yeah, I did it. I did it a second ago. Yeah, you kick you kick me out of here at any time. I'm just keep talking. So, all right. I think uh, who do you guys have coming up? You know what? I was going to ask you guys who you have coming up on Thursday. I know the show window has changed a little bit uh, with Bilal Muhammad on the other side of the world. Um, Do you guys have any guests coming up this Thursday, or do you not know that information at the current time? I don't know that at the current time, but probably not. Probably be. If possible, be like Bronstetter and uh, maybe Mystic Black. Maybe we'll do a little. uh, Maybe I would like show. to see Bronstetter and Petrie go head to head. Jay, you were muted maybe, there. We maybe didn't that's hear you. it. Maybe that's it. Yeah. No, I am. Um, when Jay, I anything the else? Blower, I turned you on. Mute. Jay, anything else before we blow you out of here? Just a quick thing I want to say quickly. For those who don't know, John and I are hosting this show. This isn't a plug, but we're hosting a show called Annex Squared on the Hammer Betting Network. It's an NFL pick show. And the week you guys went dark, right? And John tells me, I know the views don't matter. It's all about the content. John doesn't care about the content, right? But so, you know, we're, yeah, you got a few views here and there. Right? The week you guys go dark, right? 1,500 views. Everyone's searching for you boys. Everyone trying to find you boys searching. So everyone, you know, probably got 1,500 clicks. Not necessarily views. Producer was all excited. I knew it was fraudulent. So anyway, yeah. you're, 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 you have some loyal viewers trying to find you guys when you go dark. You guys going strong, but thank you for having right me. I'm gonna mute well, that's why you're here, right, Jay? Isn't that is is Jay gonna is Jay gonna put his neck out there on the line, or is it just gonna be me? Well, in the future, I think we'll have you two go head to head on the NFL picks just to get a second voice on here. But he's not well, making he an stay? NFL pick today. No, absolutely not. I want that leaf blower fucking gone. Uh, you can check out Annex Squared. If you are so inclined, we make NFL head-to-head picks against each other. But, uh, Cody, let's triple box this thing. Jay, thank you for the contributions. You can uh, see him with Bilal Muhammad every Thursday on this channel. God, that audio kills me. (laughs) Yeah, but his video looks so good. Like, you know, not for nothing. He looked great. No, it looked good. And he's going to be apologetic, but there's nothing he can do. Beautiful kitchen. Great Pat's hat. You think that – I mean, damn, these Florida – landscapers huh like the day after the hurricane they don't give a fuck huh they're just out there give me a little space sometimes i wonder though if people are just being nice about the hair right like i understand that i have an issue and so does he i've been shaving my head since i was like 14 right and here comes the apology by the way i've been shaving my head forever he's been growing his hair obviously a long time but like i like i'm not trying to be funny when i like i just don't think it looks like it's just like this long white hair like what are we trying to do I think here it looks good I'm not he trying kind, to be he's kind of got that like dumbledore gandalf thing going on you know? i don't know what that means <laughs> he doesn't what know what dumbledore like a is like a wizard uh I like I like oh my god i like the long locks it's longer than i than i uh than i saw last time for sure my dad just saw him for the first time in 6 years you know like what does he think you know <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even know. Cody Marrow now joins us. Got a nice haircut, Cody. What's up, man? Haircut. I'm letting the beard go. I'm trying to get my Kenny on. There you um, go. You can go over and use code uh, KenFlow at JustForMen.com if you want. <laughs> <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't use it. He doesn't use it. It's just the promo. God, it's there's the so promo. many rumors about this now, guys. Anik is, is starting crazy. a wildfire. It is this just is all crazy. natural. All you natty. Know? There is a white hair somewhere right around here or something. I'll pluck it, but I won't dye it. You and Francisco Trinaldo both stopped aging at 33. He said that. <laughs> he said he stopped aging at 33, and you know what? That's awesome. It. 
Oh, man. Cody, uh, what do you have for us that we might have missed, good sir? Uh, so just some quick button-up points for UFC Fight Night 211. Uh, the bonuses were Brendan Allen, Chelsea Chandler, Guido Canetti, and Joaquim Silva. Uh, Joa, you like that? Um, I like how you nailed Guido Canetti and Joaquim Silva. Yeah, Two yeah. former pronunciation Only, of the week names here on the Fool show. me once. Fool me once. Ah. Uh, I thought Chelsea Chandler was a great underdog, but I had no idea why Stoli Ranko was the favorite there. She's got she's a one trick pony. She's got a good arm bar, which Chelsea Chandler almost got caught in in the first. But I thought that that was line was wild. And Chelsea Chandler's huge. I mean, she's going to be a contender. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. She's, you know, she. I think if she's, you know, 24, 7, 365 committed to 35, she could be a really good bantamweight. But uh, yeah, nice debut for her to be sure. Well, and I couldn't believe that she she was a lawyer before she went into MMA. I mean. Not for another, I, I probably would have made a different choice myself. But. Well, I, you know, that didn't come up in our fighter meeting. I mean, I got my Chelsea Chandler notes here. I mean, yes, she did. She graduated from the University of Miami. She, I don't know that she went oh, to okay. law school well, as any fine. sort of practicing lawyer. I mean, let's see here. Uh, bachelor's degree from the University of Miami, but no, then went to, t- I mean, I, you know, I, yeah, some, I don't know if she it, uh, I think passed I the LSAT, you know? Like that. I don't know. All right. Hopefully. Maybe I should uh, listen. Maybe. Maybe get the. No, nah, I won't even make a testicles joke there. Her sister, uh, <laughs> uh, her sister Colleen Chandler. This didn't make the broadcast because it was a quick fight, but her sister Colleen fights for Invicta FC. So the Chandler sisters both making moves. Colleen, Any that's a great to Michael name. Chandler, or no? Colleen, or Chelsea Chandler, huh? Colleen, fucking Colleen got it done again. Hey, you guys see Colleen's fighting Saturday night at the oh, fucking, it was fucking Saturday? It was fucking mint, dude. Is she at Westbury, the Westbury uh, uh, Forum. Fight of the night was uh, Castaneda versus Santos. Santos. Goddamn right it was. That was crazy. That was a crazy fight. Dude, how about um, Willie Cat Daniel Santos? Recoverability. I mean, next level, you know? Well, and it just goes to show you what an experienced ref in there can do, right? Because an inexperienced ref probably would have stopped that fight. Uh, you know, watching at home, I thought it maybe could have been stopped. But then you get robbed of a great performance like that. Cody, I'm going to put you on the spot here, uh, mainly for my own ego. I did get that fight wrong. What what's what what's the uh, what are the standings between me and uh, our guy Brian Petrie? Uh, so it's, I think as it's go ahead, John. I was just gonna say it's amazing how close it We've is like, fight for fight. Yeah. yeah, I think Kenny has like a one pick lead, but then because of the well, odds, P- BP well, has right, like that's a, the thing a couple yeah. hundred dollar lead. Oh, son of a bitch! But it's cl- it's very. I mean, we're what we're ten months in now, and it's a one pick difference. I mean, that's pretty right. astonishing. It's close, but it's close uh, percentage wise. I mean, yes, numbers very okay. very close. Okay. Um. So in the main event, Yan on Yan, uh, Yan seven UFC wins all by decision. So the next time she gets in there, maybe a hammer on the old decision ticket. Sadiq's Yusuf Guillotine was thirty seconds in, but it was his first ever pro submission win. Don't sleep on Super Sadiq's jujitsu, huh? Yeah. Uh. Brennan Allen career finish rate is 80%. That's a remember the show champ right there. And leading into that, I was looking at the, just the amount of fights that he had compared to Jocko. I mean, it's kind of crazy. He's 26 years old. He's had like 29 pro fights. I think something crazy like that. Yeah. He's the hardest guy to pick against though, for or against. Yeah. And he doesn't do himself any favors with the matchups. Yeah. 13 and 0 amateur record. He's now 20 and 5 as a professional before his 27th birthday. By the way, did you guys hear on the broadcast? I know Kenny didn't. So basically, Brendan Allen said that Jocko turned him down twice. 
Jocko didn't necessarily comment directly on that, but he said he then asked McMaynard for the fight and he called Brendan Allen an annoying kid from Louisiana. Um, so, uh, you know, Brendan Allen went out and put that American uh, grappling on him. And uh, damn, so I got to love that. Uh, so the last point on there was going to fly now, which a year Latifi walked out to possibly Latifi's last fight and or last fight in the UFC. Uh, Gonna fly now is now tied with Stranglehold for the most wins in UFC walkout history. That info is via Jay Petrie from Sherdog, not my own. How's so that? Pretty interesting there. So if you're looking for a walkout fight or car song, that that one's it. And then reported walkout information here: Matt Frivola has gotten permission to walk out to the Edwin Diaz trumpet song at MSG. Oh, no so th- way. He talked to Steve Cohen, the owner of the Mets, and got permission to use it. Wow. So, oh, that place is going to be wow. lit. I, I don't know if that is lost on this audience, how big a deal that is, but this Mets closer's entrance to this trumpet song is just the stuff of legends. And let us pray there are enough people inside Madison Square Garden at the time that Matt Frivola fights because that is absolutely awesome. And thank you for uh, for bringing that to my attention. That is really yeah. cool. I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, and then another thing, I, th- I thought it was, if you go back and watch Remember the Show, uh, Bilal was talking very, very um, glowingly about his choice to go over to Abu Dhabi because he said it took him about a week and a half to get adjusted just to the climate, just to the time. It's brutal, dude. And because this card is going to be on local time, that's another adjustment that fighters are going to have to make. If you're showing up on Monday for that Saturday, Sunday fight or whatever, I think you're doing yourself a huge disservice. So, you know, part of me hopes that, you know, this is the only time I'm rooting against a Brady in any sport, but part of me hopes that Sean Brady doesn't do his due diligence there. Well, it's interesting. The last time we had a major pay-per-view in Abu Dhabi, if memory serves, I was on a treadmill at 1.30 a.m. and we were calling fights in the morning and I think it was flipped. Right now, it's catering to Abu Dhabi time. It'll be a primetime event there, 2 p.m. Eastern in the States for the review. And, uh, you know, yeah, I think though, a lot of athletes, they'd rather compete, um, you know, at night than in the morning. So I do think it'll be easier on the fighters uh, as a whole, but a good point nonetheless. Uh, do you have an NFL selection for us for week five uh, before we uh, let you fly? I do, I do. I d- and so what are you, 0-3 on the year? Yeah, on, on the air, on the air, I'm 0 and three. But I, I, my, my picks to you are at least somewhat successful, so you can cater to the uh, audience and tell them that I'm not a horrible capper, at least. Not at all. So, but the official pick this week. Three, and what is the selection? So this week, I'm going to the, to the UK. I'm going across the pond for an early start. I love the Packers minus seven and a half against the Giants, who I don't think even have a quarterback on the roster at this point because. Huh. They're heading over there. So they have to fly to London, right? Terod Taylor got a concussion. So can he even fly to London? We don't know. Daniel Jones has a high ankle sprain. Flying to London ain't going to make that any better. That's for damn sure. So I don't know who their quarterback is going to be heading into that that event, that game. Uh, the Packers, I thought, looked pretty bad against us. You know, almost lost the, against New England Patriots. Bailey Zappi, the third quarterback on the roster, went to overtime. I think they're going to have a huge chip on their shoulder coming into next week and have to really show themselves something. So minus seven and a half Packers is the pick for me. Packers fifth in total yards defensively, but 22nd against the run, which does give me a little bit pause. But I do just think the Packers are going to roll over the Giants in London. All right. We'll see if that game stays on the board, given some of the injuries for the New York Giants. But uh, Cody Merrill likes the Green Bay Packers minus seven and a half in week five uh, of the NFL. All right. Thank you. Good stuff, man. My man. Yeah. Love your shirt, bro. Love your shirt. 
Hey, thanks, man. That's the Cowboys edition, Abu Dhabi edition of the One More Sleep t-shirts available right now at millions.co. Just search John Anik, and I believe Anik 2 will get you 15% off. Also, don't forget, for Anik and Florian Podcast merchandise, AnikFlorianPodcast.com. Code KenFlow, code Longo, both work. FAM15 might work as well. Don't forget to check out Bilal and Jay this Thursday on Remember the Show. And of course, Kenny Florian Martial Arts.com, especially on the heels of a Mackenzie Dern main event. Today's episode of the Anakin Florian podcast has been brought to you in pass by UFC Fight Pass, the world's premier combat sports streaming service with over 200 live events, the largest fight library in existence, original shows, and so very much more. Sign up for one year and get half off for a limited time at UFCFightPass.com slash sign up. All right, thanks to Longo and Jay for joining us. Thanks to our executive producer, Cody Merrill, our intern, Will Berger, and everybody else. We will be back next week to get you ready for Alexa Grasso and Viviani Ataujo. With that, for Kemp Flom, John Anik, thank you all for listening, for watching, seeing less than we can spend. Yo, later. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckley SAB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.